0: So Money, episode 978, Paco de Leon, financial expert and founder of the Hell Yeah
1: Group. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life. Welcome to So Money. I studied finance and economics uh, because, you know, I come from an immigrant family and I was like, I have to do something practical. There's nothing more insulting to immigrant parents than being like, (laughs) I'm going to get an art degree. And I was like, I'm going to disappoint them in a lot of ways and I can't do it with this. Can finance be
0: fun? Obviously, that's why we're all here, right? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. My guest today is on a mission to make finance loads of fun. Paco de Leon realized that she had a knack for understanding and explaining money in a way that was enjoyable and made people actually want to learn. After many experiences in banking and consulting, she realized that what she was really good at was helping creative people understand their money, creatives, and that led her to launch the Hell Yeah Group and become the co-host of Refinery29's Money Diaries podcast. You just heard her talk about her immigrant upbringing, the influences that that had on her way of thinking about money. And we even dive into some of her personal experiences in her marriage to her wife and how the two of them manage money decisions in their relationship. Here's Paco de Leon. Paco de Leon, welcome to So Money, my friend. It's nice to reconnect.
1: It's wonderful to reconnect. Thank you for having me.
0: I was so blown away by you and your ideas and just your personality. You're so fun and funny and charming. Um, we shared the stage recently in New York City for an event. It was in partnership with Well and Good, and they're doing a whole series on wellness. And good on them. They decided to do an evening on financial wellness, which I know is something that you care about deeply. So let's let everybody learn about you because I think that we need more Paco in our lives. Um, (laughs) You have many, you wear many hats, um, but let's start with the Hell Yeah group because this, you started as a sort of a way to synergize your passion for creatives and also financial wellness um, and also entrepreneurship. So tell us about the Hell Yeah group.
1: Yeah, I started the Hell Yeah group about five years ago now, which is crazy to me. Um, and, you know, I have a background in music. I've always been a musician. Like I picked up the, car- the guitar when I was like 10 years old and my wife is a designer. And, you know, in college, I kind of always just found myself surrounded by creative people hanging out with like the dude who studies literally like drums Um, creative writing. You can do that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's That's what I said. I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool that your parents are paying for that degree. That's amazing. Um, and you know, I, I studied finance and economics, uh, because, you know, I come from an immigrant family and I was like, I have to do something practical. There's nothing Mm -hmm. more insulting to immigrant parents than being like, (laughs) I'm going to get an art degree. And I was like, I'm going to disappoint them in a lot of ways and I can't do it with this. So, you know, I study finance and economics and like, I just, I'm really good at showing up. Like I used to be a long distance runner. I used to be like a long distance cyclist and there's nothing except, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. And that's really what I did with my career. I just kept showing up to work. I just, I was a financial planner for a while. I've done, I've done a lot. I've done collections. I've done uh business consulting and management. I've done bookkeeping and like all of that, that experience, plus all of my personal experience, literally being the only person to show up at a dinner party who's in like in the world of business, that was just kind of the light bulb. I was like, oh, I'm always at these dinner parties with like literally like acrobats and just <laughs> weirdest people who are doing such interesting things. And, you know, they're always like, hey, so like, what's the deal with bonds or, you know, mm-hmm. like, hey, what, you know, what's the stock or uh, my my accountant tells me I need to set up an S corp or an LLC. Like, what the hell does that mean? And um, I've just become very fascinated with the creative challenge of trying to take this like, you know, it could be very mm, intangible, right? Understanding a corporation and why you should set one up and understanding even even value is kind of an intangible concept. So, uh, the, the hell yeah group was an experiment really to see if I could create a business that serves my community, which is creative entrepreneurs. Um, it started off as a consultancy, which I quickly learned. I was like, Oh wow, if you're a consultant, that means you have to see clients all the time and you're busy all the time. And you're basically kind of an energy worker. You know what I mean? You're dealing with their hangups and their, you know, all the things that all the walls that they've created in their life, and you're trying to get them to break through that. And eventually, what I learned was, you know, I wanted to create a different type of service. So now I'm running a bookkeeping agency. And I have been running this bookkeeping agency for a few years now. So what we do is we do the bookkeeping for creative agencies.
0: And I'm on your site right now. I love the way that you communicate with your community. It's super real. Like, what's up with your finances? Question mark That's on your homepage. And then you say, stop freaking out. We can help. I mean, I want to work with you, obviously, because <laughs> you're speaking my language. And this is a disruption from where you were, which was the financial world as we know it, very conservative. And mm-hmm. frankly, you've described it as, in some ways, effed up. So tell us about some of the things that you saw that actually ended up inspiring you to start your, your own mission with, um, the hell yeah group and how it's different.
1: I mean, there's so, there's so much Farnoosh, I've seen so much. Um, but I mean, little things like I would notice that a lot of financial planners and investment advisors, first of all, I think that model is inappropriate for a lot of people. And I think that model is kind of weird uh, the model is where you somebody has to have at least a million dollars in order for you to even talk to them. Then you invest their money and you get one percent year over year, regardless of whether or not you help them make more money or you've helped them lose money. So there, I thought that was weird. I also uh, eventually realized, like, kind of saw the writings on the wall, and I was like. I'm pretty sure human brains, no matter how many human brains you get together inside of a conference room with a mahogany table, uh, like like an algorithm and a computer will be able to, they'll ju- it'll just do a better job of synthesizing literally just like thousands and thousands of lines of spreadsheet data when it comes to the investment world. So I kind of was like, I think in like ten or fifteen years, this is not really going to be like a job or. Or if it is still a job, you're going to be working with like the 1% of the 1%. And I was like, yo, the 1% of the 1% is not where I come from. I don't know how to even speak to these people. Like I'm just not on that level. I didn't grow up that way and they're not on my level. So it was kind of like, I think I have to leave here. I think I need to bounce. Um, So that's one example. Another example I saw is like um, we would only help artists after they've already made a bunch of money. And the people who actually really, really, really needed the help, we couldn't help them. So I pu- I publish a lot of free articles. I put out a, a free weekly newsletter. And I do that because I, I know that there's no way that I can serve every person that needs help, especially the people who don't have the money to pay somebody to help them. So this is my service. My service is like putting out this free work, helping as many people as I can. And, you know, one of my mentors said something. He's like, you just have to do good work for good people and good things will come. And that's kind of been my whole, my whole vibe.
0: You mentioned your upbringing. Take us back to when you were growing up as the daughter of immigrants. And while you mentioned that because of your immigrant background, you kind of went towards the practical subjects of math and economics and finance. But how was money introduced to you just at home? Did you guys talk about it? And what were some of the first impressions you had of money?
1: We were not a let's talk about money family. And only now that I'm like in my thirties and have a clearly established career. Like now my aunts and my uncles and my parents, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Um, but we'd never really talked about money growing up. I remember actually, so I went to an all girls Catholic private school in high school. And I remember when I realized I was like, Oh my gosh, we're, we're the poor ones here. Like that was really shocking to me. Cause like, you know, the first month or so of school, somebody had like, um, somebody had a birthday party or somebody had some sort of party and I went to their house and I was like, Oh wow, you have like 14 rooms and your parents have a shower that eight people can go inside of. Like I didn't know or fit inside of, I didn't really, I didn't know that I wasn't I didn't know that we weren't, you know, very well off until it was it was shown to me. And then I remember trying to ask my mom how much money she made a year and she was like, "Um, I don't I don't know that should I tell you this?" She felt kind of like weirded out that I was asking her how much money she made and, you know, only after I had been exposed to other people who were doing really really, really well. Um, my parents never like, you know, they were never like, Hey, you know, this is, you should save your money. And, you know, you should, you you know, there was really no financial education. And in a lot of senses, you know, when I meet people and they say, Oh, you know, you're so lucky that you're so good with money and all this stuff. And I'm like, I learned all of this. I just happened to choose what I chose. I happened to just keep showing up. And, you know, I, I eventually I had to get good with money because, you know, you can't, you, the college kids have to have shoes. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: What is the best way <laughs> to learn about money? I mean, you obviously, you went right for it. You studied it. You immersed yourself in the industry. You learned what you didn't like. Uh, but for everybody else who might may not have, first of all, the upbringing. Second of all, you know the academic background. Where are some great places to start? I know you have a podcast as well. Um, Twenty mm-hmm. Refinery Twenty Nine's Money Diaries podcast. You're the co-host. You have a column, Cup of Joe Finance Column. Ask Paco. So you're out there teaching. Um, is that where you recommend people pick up the knowledge? Is just through the content, or are there other resources that we should know about?
1: Yeah. So I think. I think content that's digestible, like podcasts and articles are like a nice gateway drug to getting your, you know, learning about finances. But I am a huge proponent of consuming books because a book, you know, you've written books. So, you know, a book takes uh, the author uh, a lot of time and energy to sit down and think about the ideas that they're trying to convey to the end user. And there's so much more you can cover in a book. There's like a deeper relationship that the reader and the author can have in a book. You can take your time. You can, you know, there's more of a structure and a flow and the purpose is to inform. So I, I recommend reading as many books as you can. There's so many different flavors. There's so many different people who are, who are going on all different types of vibes. Um, yeah, so I would, I would say download and listen to books, read books, and I mean, this is going to sound really corny, Farnoosh, but you have to find a way to feel curious about the world that you live in. And if you could look at finances from from an oddity and curiosity perspective, that will change your relationship with it. Because to me, I think it's fascinating that money is no longer backed by gold. Like the the American dollar is not, there's, you know, like we're collectively believing in its value. And that to me is fascinating. Economics is fascinating because it's all like it's a soft science that's totally man-made. And this is all like, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff is made up. And if you could look, you know what I mean? So if you can look at it from that perspective, it kind of takes the thing out of it. And then you're able to look at it kind of like a game. And then once you look at it like a game, you're like, okay, cool. I'm either going to play my hand or, you know, you can strategize from there. So I think curiosity, finding a way to feel curious about it. And and less like um scared is probably your best bet.
0: That's really well said. Yeah. And the thing about the game is that
1: you can make your own rules. Exactly. But um, you can only make your own rules after you understand right, the rules. Right. You know how <laughs> you know how to win and lose. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> what would you characterize as your greatest financial victory? Do you have do you feel like you've gone there? You've gotten you have at least a couple under your belt.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, the first one was like a complete, I I think I, I almost avoided the biggest financial disaster of my life. And that was, I almost went to law school, but I didn't. Um, and the reason why I didn't was because one day I was preparing to go to law school for like a whole year. And then one day I was like, as I was already working for the financial planning office, I was like, Hey, I should probably, uh, figure out how much it's going to cost. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also think the a lot of people. yeah exactly and I don't think a lot of people do that so and I wanted to work in public service so I sat down and I did the numbers and I saw the repayment and I was like and then I saw the cap for the salary and I didn't do it and you know I really think that that could have that would have been crushing that kind of debt would have been crushing so that was I think that's my biggest win is not getting into six figures of debt
0: Hey, if I can ever be that person to dissuade you from going to law school, I would be that person. <laughs> I did that once for um, years ago. I, I work when I was working at Yahoo Finance. Someone wrote in and was contemplating law school. I spoke with her. Oh, wow. my sense of it was you should work for a few more years. Before you dive in, because I do think, and, and this was like just my own experience, I, cause I almost considered law school, my peers in college. I think that, and I'm generalizing that a lot of people go to law school because they don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And law is prestigious. And mm-hmm. if you're good at school and you get good grades, like you'll probably do fine in law school. But it's so expensive. It's not for everyone. The lifestyle is treacherous. <laughs> it
1: can it really be, is.
0: yeah. And if you want to be in service as a lawyer, like you did, you know, you have to really reconcile that income with the the debt. And so, my conclusion was, don't go to law school. And that article went viral, and Amazing. everybody wanted my opinion on it because no one was brave. No one like it's counterintuitive, right? Like. Everyone should encourage you to go to law school because that's great because that's prestigious, but no, it's, it could actually really be a mess if you don't, if you're not calculating
1: the risk reward. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Um, it's almost the holidays. This episode is airing in December. So, um, in partnership with our sponsor, Chase Paco, I'm just curious, do you have any financial rituals around this time of year that helps you to kind of avoid the burnout, the money burnout? Cause I like to buy a lot of gifts this year. We're doing secret Santa. It's, it's been really helpful, um, for a lot of
1: reasons, the stress, the time, the money.
0: What yeah. are you doing?
1: Um, in the past, my wife and I have made donations in other people's names, which is like the cheapest move that you could do, I think, because there's no way you can, you know, like, you don't have to say I made like a $75 donation in someone's name or a $5 donation in someone's name. So if you are in a situation where, you know, your your income is, you just don't have a lot of income to spend on uh, gifts, that is one way to do something nice and to kind of turn it around and to be like, Hey, this is actually what the holidays are about. It's not about stuff. It's not about crap you don't need. It's not about me trying to impress you with things. It's about giving to people who, who don't have enough or, you know, giving to organizations that are going to make the world a better place or, you know, propel your, whatever it is that you you value, causes you value they're going to propel it forward. So that's like one way for sure. Um, the other way is my wife always makes these baskets for people, and that's always Ooh, the cheapest way to go. I love yeah. baskets. Yeah. She's, it's kind of she's, a joke in my house. Is it really?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like my husband's like, here we go again, <laughs> yeah. putting together a basket. Like I, I met your wife. I didn't – I, wish, I could, wish we could have like talked about this. Oh, she'll talk
1: – you should have her on. You guys will talk about baskets for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> No, she's uh, you know she's a designer, yeah. so everything she touches is immaculate and beautiful. And you know, uh, she loves to give gifts. She's a really great gift giver. So she'll you know we'll we'll go to a bunch of places. We'll go to the flower mart. We'll get baskets. We'll get flowers. We'll get you know we'll get coffee and candles. And you know, usually that's the best bet you can buy in bulk. And it and it's got a personal touch. Yeah.
0: It's you know fun to do it's a good process it's a great experience but you know what I've always wished for because every year um last minute I try to buy like a fun basket for someone not because I don't like doing it myself but because I'm a procrastinator sometimes mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's sometimes easier if it's someone like in another state to ship it so just get it directly yeah. from a website there are very few websites that i think do baskets well there's obviously like the harry and davids of the world but excuse me like that's so yeah. generic i want something that's really like this is a real niche and market and i think that if anyone listening likes to do baskets wants a business idea i'll be your first customer you know, where you can really shop for a basket that you've got a bunch of different kinds of unique trinkets and items and candles and chocolates and things like that. And you can ship nationally. You've got me on a subscription. (laughs) I digress.
1: I I like what you use your platform for. Yeah. I'm, <laughs>
0: I am I mean, I think you're welcome. Whoever starts that business, you're welcome. I don't expect any royalties. So now, Paco, you are very creative. We, th- I think we've established this. You're a musician. You're in a band. I think it's really commendable that you've been able to kind of balance these two worlds of finance and then your creative kind of personality inside. How do you do the balance? And how do you also, for people listening who might think like, Oh because I'm a creative, like my brain just doesn't work in the way that it needs to work to manage my money well. obviously, that's just something that um is a, a bad narrative and is not mm-hmm. true, but I think it is something that a lot of us who are in the creative space feel because we also have been raised maybe with the principle that if you chase the money like it goes against the principles of artistry, you know, like your craft should speak for itself. You shouldn't. So, you know, there's a lot of twisted belief systems within the artist community, I think around money. And so you've obviously not, I mean, maybe you did struggle with this at one point, but you seem to have found that balance and that um, sort of logic. So how do you
1: get there? Well, I think first what I had to realize was that I ultimately, you know, one of my top values is being creative every day, regardless of what the medium is, if it's illustrating or drawing or you know writing a song, uh, I said illustrating and drawing, which are the same thing. Uh, <laughs> but um, I meant to say illustrating, writing, uh, mm-hmm. or writing a song. And I think once I understood that that was such that such a high up thing on my value list, I just realized that making money is a tool. It's a way to sustain a creative lifestyle. And that allowed me to take the, the heaviness out of making money. Um, but I have also decided, you know, made a conscious choice not to use creativity or, you know, try to make money off of my hobby or like live off of it. You know, I'm not Trying to write songs, writing songs doesn't put food on the table, and you know that takes a lot of pressure off the creativity for me. Um, and then also, it all feeds itself. Like being creative in one area helps me be creative in another area, and that could be like you know writing a song and trying to explain a metaphor through a lyric will then spark something when I'm writing an article and trying to get people to understand you know why they should split up their expenses in different accounts.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, um, writing a song is much harder than like balancing your bank account, but I think (laughs) that you don't consider it hard because you love it. It's It's your passion. So how do you make money Your passion? And I think it goes back to what you said earlier about just sort of approaching it from a place of discovery and curiosity and not putting so much pressure on yourself to have to figure it all out. But like, find a motivation that will keep you curious in your financial life. And it may be that you want to, you know, start a business or take your craft to the next level or get out of debt, but you got to have a, you got to have a why.
1: Yes. I mean, being in relationship with your finances is just like being in any other relationship in your life. You, You know, you have to know why it's important and you have to work on it. You know, marriages don't stay together if you're not connecting constantly and learning how the other person is changing and there's you know there's this journey of self discovery that people can go on through their finances which makes me really excited you know um and I always feel like a weirdo when I go on this tip and talk about it like this but it's just like any other thing that you're trying to learn about in your in your life any other kind of you know skill set that you're trying to learn you can you can find meaning and purpose and discover who you are through this journey. It's beautiful.
0: Not to open up a whole can of worms at the 29th minute of our interview, but um, (laughs) I just came back from a talk show where I was talking about a new study that came out about men and when they're in a marriage where the wife is starting to earn more and perhaps Mm, eclipsing his salary, that his stress levels increase. I think it just goes back to the point that it, you know, the way that we are conditioned to think about money, in particular, masculinity and money, is so ingrained, and it's really hard to escape these ideals. In your marriage to women, how does money show up, and are there any issues? I mean, because a lot of the issues in heterosexual relationships with money goes back to gender role expectations. Some of them, a lot of them, a lot of the issues. There was a great Atlantic article years ago that was like, "What we." can learn from gay marriage. And I really like read that 10 times and I included excerpts from gay couples in my book. Cause like, I want to learn about how to take some of those lessons and apply them to heterosexual relationships. So personal question for you and your wife, how, what, if, if, any money issues come up, how do you tackle them? You know, do you feel like there are lessons that you can share?
1: Yeah. I mean, I can, I can't speak to trying to conform to heteronormative, you know, normativity, heteronormativity. Um, And for a long time, like, you know, growing up in a conservative part of California, it was really challenging to grapple with my sexuality. And then as I got older, I was like, Whoa, this is actually great because I don't have all these things ingrained. Like we are making it up as we go. It's kind of a blank canvas and it's very freeing in that way. So we already have that mindset. We already have that approach with so many things, um, in our partnership and in our marriage. And I, and I feel really lucky that we have that. Nothing is, you know, there's no path, there's no road, there's no, there's no blueprint. Um, And, you know, we it's it's a little unfair because I spend all of my time thinking about money and talking about money. So I'm very comfortable with having conversations about money. So if there's something that we need to talk about, you know, I just I give my wife fair warning and say, hey, like, we really need to talk about this thing. And, um, that way, you know, nobody is bamboozled. It's not like Mm. she's like folding laundry and I'm like, Hey, (laughs) why did you spend $300 on a basket gift that you sent (laughs) somebody, you know, a basket? Exactly. Um, it's more like, Hey, like, let's talk about our budget or, you know, let's talk about, you know, saving for retirement and, I try to give her like a, a window like we're going to, or, you know, um, fair warning. We're going to talk, can we talk about it on Wednesday at lunch or Wednesday afternoon? So we pre-plan it that way she can mentally prepare. And then, um, I'm just, I, I try to go in there and not think so much about my fears and all of the, any, if there's any negative emotion that's coming up, right. Cause for people like us, financial stability is high up on the value list. And anytime we feel that threatened, it's easy to, you know, get weird and let your emotions run rampant and not approach things from a open hearted place. And I try to, you know, see that not judge myself and then, um, approach it accordingly and just to be tender and kind. It's great. I, I really appreciate you.
0: Um, Sharing that. I think it's important for us to learn from each other. And I love that. I love your tip about, you know, giving her space. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you coming from a place of having more flu- like fluency with this, um, with money, that you recognize that and are empathetic and sort of compassionate, because uh, we all coming from different places. It's rarely about the dollars and cents, you know. It's really totally. about how we've been raised, whether we have the words or lack of the words, the communication skills to talk about money. Because so understanding our contexts is critical, and being patient too. Paco, thank you so much. Thank you're, you for having me. This is great, yeah, I'm going to start um subscribing to Money Diaries podcast. I've obviously loved the book and I love the franchise, and they're so lucky to have you as a co-host. Congratulations on all of the uh, the impact that you're making in the world. it's it's really it's really fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. You can learn more about Paco by visiting the yeah Group dot com and you can also connect with them on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter the Hell Yeah Group. All this information is on somoneypodcast.com, the transcript, the audio. If you want to leave me a question for our Friday episodes, please, please do. You can just click on Ask Farnoosh on the website and type away. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope your day is so money.